This podcast is a TWTT production. Let's enjoy sake. Hot on. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of TWTT, the podcast. My name is Simone Maynard from Melbourne, Australia, and joining me as always is Maki Tanaka from Tokyo, Japan. Hi, Maki. How are you? Last time we did a podcast, I was sitting right next to you, and now uh, I'm looking at you on my screen. (laughs) Very true. I'm doing well, um, although I didn't get much sleep last night after the TWTT session that went on until 1am. And that's 1am JST, right? So uh, I think I left the Zoom room at about midnight Australian Eastern Standard Time. So that means you guys were going for another two hours after I left. So pretty good effort. Of course, we speak of Fuji Shuzo for session 108 of Taste with the Toji, the Zoom sessions. Uh, We did visit Fuji Shuzo a couple of years ago, and we uh, spoke to the father for the first session. But last night, of course, we had Norihiro Fuji, who is the son of Yoshifumi Fuji. And he was very chatty. It was a delightful session. Yes, I, I was quite surprised that he stayed for the Nijikai and and outstayed me. So good effort to, to those of you that stayed, stayed along with him. Today we're trying something different, partly because we just feel like it and also because we've had a few requests from listeners that they would like to hear more of a, a casual or social session in amongst these interview sessions. Maki and I aren't that great at uh, listening to our own voice. <laughs> So we've decided to invite a third person in to uh, to help this session flow and to add a new dynamic to the podcast. He's no stranger to those of you that have been following the Zoom sessions because he was one of our uh, interpreters slash co-hosts um, back in the early days. So I speak, of course, of Julian Hausman, a fellow Aussie, but based in Osaka in Japan. Julian, it's great to have you here with us tonight. It's excellent to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course, Julian would be a great subject for us to sit and interview, but we've decided to go with a bit of a, a, a more conversational, um, free flow, spontaneous session. So we figured that the audience that listens to this podcast is probably pretty familiar with listening to us chat about sake, especially in the Nijikais uh, in the Zoom room after a Taste with the Toji session. So we're going to... Uh, Drink some sake together tonight and see where this conversation goes. Perhaps just a quick disclaimer. Uh, We certainly can't promise that this episode or this conversation will be educational in any way at all. Uh, We can't even promise entertainment. But uh, if you're happy to sit and listen to three people chat randomly about sake, stick around. We will start off the conversation by talking about what we're drinking, and none of us know what uh, what each of, each of the others are drinking yet, so it'll be a, uh, a reveal for us as well. Before we uh, progress and uh, morph, morph this session into a, a random conversation about sake, Julian, for those people that don't know you, which probably won't be many that listen listen to our podcast, I'm pretty sure most will, but just in case, just a brief intro on uh, who you are, where you're from, and how you came to be living in Osaka and involved in sake. 
Well, I've told this story so many times that I can narrow it down to a pretty a pretty short nutshell these days. Uh, but so yeah, my name is is Julian. I'm from Sydney originally in Australia. I first came to Japan in 2000, so quite literally 23 years ago now. In a former life in in Sydney, in Australia, I was working as a musician and a music teacher. And I basically came to Japan uh, just on a whim to try and get some music work. And it was very naive of me. And I quickly ran out of money, didn't speak any of the language at all, and realized I needed to get a job. So I, I, uh, I started teaching English and I also started studying Japanese to try and better my chances of finding some music work. And then I, I kind of got into studying the language. And so I stayed on for a second year and went to Japanese school. And uh, while I was doing that, I started working in a bar in the evening to practice my Japanese, talking to customers in a practical environment. And then basically what happened was that kind of snowballed and I was, I was working in a bar and then I got asked to work in another bar and then I got asked to work in a restaurant. And then I ended up in Tokyo for a little bit. I was managing a, a cafe bar up in, uh, in Harajuku, which was, you know, I was out of my depth in a fashion sense, working there in, in Harajuku in the main drag there with all these fashionable, beautiful people around me. and. But anyway, that's another story. But yeah, I, I and then uh, and I came back to Osaka and was working in some yeah cocktail bars and hotel bars and that kind of thing. And I I got homesick and I went uh, I went home in 2007. I was back in Australia from 2007 till about 2012. When I was back in Australia, I was, I was selling wine and you know sake was just kind of starting to make itself known in, in Australia a little bit. And people that knew me and knew my background that I'd lived in Japan would you know kind of ask me and you know say, oh, would this you know I've been seeing sake about a bit. You know you know some of these some of the importers and potential and you know. Well, wine importers and stuff were asking me. And I said, you know, you must know something about sake. And I was like, well, actually, I know nothing. I, I used to drink it. I did actually drink it sometimes like after I'd finished work as, you know, just an after drink because uh, my job was, was all about whiskey and, and cocktails and, and wine. And, and so when I lived in Japan, when we'd finish work at two in the morning and go to like an all-night izakaya or something, sometimes I would drink sake because it was just a nice relief and change from everything else that I did. But I knew nothing about the, the process or the or the labels or anything like that and it's kind of funny you know sometimes i'd be in a bar and you know and they they try to tell me what it is they might you know say oh this is a junmai and ginjo or whatever and i was I'd be like dude i'm not interested i don't care it's it's not part of my job it's not pertinent to anything that i'm doing so it was what in this period of time that i was back in australia that you know people at the same time that people were asking me i was also you know well when i would go to a japanese restaurant i would go oh, you know while i'm back in a japanese restaurant let's have some sake i used to like that stuff and i would drink it and go i actually kind of miss this even though the stuff i was drinking probably wasn't you know wasn't great stuff i was still like yeah this was good stuff this was i should have paid more attention so i started i mean in that time i was back in australia i'd come back to japan three times a year or so anyway and every time i came back i'd start lining it up with brewery visits and tastings and and doing courses and whatnot yeah and just kind of fell completely down the rabbit hole came back to japan in 2012 and uh so since then you know starting with you know i think which everyone pretty much did start starting with the blog and then moving on from there um now these days i i i, I run like sake tastings and, and tours around osaka i write for some publications sake today and uh osaka.com and um also chief editor at sake industry news with john gordner our online subscription-based uh, newsletter regarding the, the news and happenings in, in the psycho world and do the odd translation job here and there. And that's kind of, yeah, my, my thing these days. And I still do music as a bit of a hobby these days. So it's still there. <laughs> it's sake and music is a great combination. Um... <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's and actually, coincidentally enough, uh, just two days ago on well, three days ago on, on Saturday, uh, after a three-year hiatus, I did one of my um, one of my favorite gigs playing at uh, Diamond Shuzo here in Osaka. They had their their first um, their spring festival at the at the at the brewery there, which anyone who's been to Diamond Brewery would be familiar with the, the event space there. They've got a beautiful restaurant, excellent event space, which is way larger than and you know than, than most breweries have and so they had their their first festival for three years and before covid um i used to play there sometimes with, with little jazz combo and stuff and so we played there on saturday and it was a they had a, a full house and it was it was awesome it was, and so it's it's yeah playing there's also always kind of one of my favorite gigs because it's a nice collision of my two worlds of like getting to play music and have fun and we're surrounded by sake and so it's yeah. Brilliant. Best of both worlds. Sounds perfect. So it was great to do that after after a three year break. I think the closest you came to doing that during COVID was probably session twenty nine of Taste with the Torji Zoom session where we had Marcus and Daimon San as our guests and That's right. And you were the mysterious guy playing guitar in the corner of the brewery as Marcus was giving us That's a right. brewery. <laughs> that was that was Marcus's brainchild of, of having a wander minstrel through the brewery so <laughs> it was a lot of fun as are all of the, uh, the the zoom sessions anyway it's a pleasure to have you with us this evening julian thank you it's great to be here so perhaps mucky what do you think because julian kind of suggested this idea we might get him <laughs> to reveal his sake first oh i was gonna go first. okay I, I was i was actually opting to go last but all right if you if you would <laughs> not okay, a chance <laughs> Well, I, I did actually intend it that when we talked about this, I did think about like going out specifically to search for something as it happens with time. I didn't get a chance to actually like go out and look for something. So I just went with something from my fridge that also happens to have appeared in, in a taste with the Toji session. And I did kind of threaten to uh, bring this sake along and I've seeing as I already had it, I have fulfilled that threat. <laughs> and um, probably the most notorious session out of the taste with the Toji series. <laughs> I have brought along um, some sake from Nara, from Okura Honke. It's their Yamahai Tokubetsu Junmai uh, Nakodori from RY uh, Brewing Year Number One, so 2019. And yes, so the uh, the, the Okura Honke uh, Taste for the Toji session uh, has probably gone down for those that were there as uh, one of the one of the one of the more interesting sessions, um, possibly one of the more controversial sessions. For those that were for those that were there, I'm sure they remember and. Um, for those that weren't there, it was, uh, I, I mean, it, it was fun. It was, it was far from my, my best performance as an interpreter as we went well and truly off the rails in that session, or rather he did, did which he is renowned to do. There was, uh, you know, as I had explained, I, I was, he's renowned for uh, his style of being quite um, animated and, and energetic. Um, at the time, I was hoping he was going to keep that for the later in the session, but he, he came out. <laughs> All guns blazing in that session, and uh, I, I was very distracted by uh, by his his antics, and also my phone also buzzing the whole time during that session of people like sending me messages saying, "Is, is this what's what he's happening? like? Is this okay? Is, 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 what's what's happened to this? Is this is this normal?" And I just had to be like, "Yep, this is what he's like. We, yeah. He just got there earlier than we thought he would." But, it, certainly, um, it certainly was a very colourful session, and uh, mm. I think Julian, it was your the, the third session that you had interpreted for, and there was, it was a long time between drinks. You you started off session number six with, of course, Mamiya-san from Miyoshikiku, and then we revisited them for session number thirty-one. And you know, Mamiya-san is probably the the total opposite, but you know, Mamiya-san is very much, I guess, 
known for his love of music and is often called the punk rocker brewer. And I think when you when you meet him, you you meet someone like, yeah. expecting to. He's very quiet and calm and you know softly spoken. And then of course Okurasan was probably more uh more the punk rocker kind of energy that uh <laughs> that I think yeah. we weren't expecting from him. But exactly. it certainly, certainly made for a very a very colourful session indeed. Yeah, I think a lot of people, with, yes, Mummy is sung from Yoshikiku Shoes. I think a lot of people, after, you know, when they see his labels and try the sake, they meet him, they think he's going to be this big drinker and he's going to be this really colourful, off-the-wall character and he's really quite, um, he's very quiet and demure and very, very polite and very nice dude, very sweet guy. And, yeah, Okura is, is Okura-san is a, he's, he's a different beast altogether. He's quite a character. But he's, 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 he's legendary in the, in the Kansai region. And, you know, he's, I, I love, I, I honestly love his sake. I think his sake is great. Um, so this one that I'm drinking today is, is beautiful. It's, um, it's really good. Yeah. A couple of years age on it, Yamaha, Tokubutsu Chumai. Most of his sake is Yamaha. And it's, it's just a classic example of really like nice, full-bodied, rich, very rice-driven sake. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Maki, what are you drinking tonight? So I didn't go out to get specifically for this session either, only because my fridge is full. <laughs> I just can't get in any more bottles. I have five bottles here. Um, you know, some of them uh, carried over from last night, mm -hmm. and I had a uh, set of six bottles for yesterday's session. So I have here Fuji Shizos, one of um, experimental brew. And it's uh, Ryusei Lab, first experiment with Hiroshima yeast. And it's Omachi polished down to 40, and it's a Namagenshu. Cool. So we talked a little bit about that in the Zoom room last night uh, with Fujisan. Mm -hmm. And I think we we heard from him that these, these sake are not going to be re-released. It is exactly what you said, Maki, they're an experimental right. set and they'll never be able to, to be drunk again so <laughs> so was that was that a it, it was it considered a not so successful experiment or is it just he just doesn't want to continue it for other reasons he wasn't he wasn't very happy when when he first pressed so he made six of these okay so different polishing ratio all uh three different polishing ratios and part pasteurized and part unpasteurized mm -hmm. so six different bottles labels and uh, when he pressed those bottles, he wasn't very happy. <laughs> cool. We, we released, released them anyway, though. Just released them, them anyway. Um, and I got them. So it's been matured for a year. Okay. Um, so this was the previous um, Brewing Years product. And it's it's gotten better, I guess, as mm -hmm. he said. He spoke very candidly last night, which I think the audience really appreciated. It was a very insightful session and he was... It was a joy to speak to and it was yeah it was great he <laughs> just spoke very openly and honestly and I, I feel like the the zoom sessions create this this kind of safe atmosphere for a lot of the brewers and and they tend to to always talk very openly and and honestly about about their life and about uh with the brewery it is a good thing about the format for taste with the Toji when you get brewers to talk like that because so often when you go to a, a tasting or a, a, you know session or something like that kind of or an industry tasting session it's almost like they're reading from a script they just kind of, they just have their set things that they say about their suck in and sometimes you know if if they're, if they're busy they almost get thrown off by getting out questions that are not you know what they're prepared to answer kind of thing so it's good in those sessions where they are being a bit more open and honest and yeah not so much doing their prepared sales, you know, 
pitch mm. your sales spiel kind of thing. It's it's a bit more organic, which is cool. Yeah. Right. I think it's it's truly two ways rather than you know the brewer presenting to us. So mm. they they love listening to what we think about um, their story. And um, yesterday it was yeah. pretty representative of that um, mm. dynamic. And so tell us your yeah. thoughts on the sake that you're drinking then, Maki. Oh, I like it. I I like the Murokanama. So this is 40. And and as he said, um, between 40 and 60, I don't see much difference. <laughs> well, 40% and 60%, but there is a difference between pasteurized and unpasteurized. I, I didn't say this yesterday, but there is a funkiness to <laughs> pasteurized um, sake. Right. So I wanted to know more about it, but nobody else was drinking it. So, <laughs> so it's tricky. So now it's your turn, Simone. What have you brought in? What are you drinking tonight? It is my turn. I'm drinking Kidoizumi, the Shizen Mai Hanafubuki. Uh, I tried this sake first back in 2019 when I was fortunate enough to visit Kidoizumi Shuzo with John Gortner's SPC Level 2. But it's been a long time between drinks, so it's it's great to see it hit Australian shores. This particular sake is listed uh, as Junmai Yamahai Muroka Nama Genchu, polished to 60%. The rice is organic Hanafubuki. Uh, the alcohol percentage is 18.7, so it's definitely up there. Uh, natural yeast, I'm drinking it tonight. Chilled. Uh, um, those that know uh, Kiroizumi or know anything about Kiroizumi will probably know that they're they're well known for their hot Yamahai fermentation method. This gives their sake a, a very distinct character. Their sake is a, a very funky. Uh, they've got great body, good acidity, great depth of flavor, and this one's no exception. It's got a slight haziness to it, and it's it's uh, yeah, you can definitely taste that it's uh, higher in alcohol, but it's um it's well balanced and it's got a really um, vibrant and fresh palate. And I'm looking forward to enjoying some of this this evening. That visit to Kiroizumi Shuzo was, um, of course, before TWTT was uh, was even an idea, uh, and it was a, a fabulous day meeting Shoji-san, the Toji and Kurumoto, and it was actually the first day that I met Justin Potts, who, again, like yourself, Julian, is no stranger to the TWTT audience and to the greater Saka community. We featured Justin on one of our earlier episodes of this podcast, and, of course, back when TWTT started, he was um, one of the, the regular co hosts and interpreters and played a, a, a huge support role for us at TWTT and, and still does. Uh, he's now in the USA, as as most of you are aware, brewing sake in Arkansas at Origami Sake. And we miss him on TWTT, but we uh, we stay in touch and we are certainly looking forward to following his journey um, at Origami Sake. But yes, the visit to Kiroizumi Shuzo was definitely a very memorable day. I was absolutely, it, it was the first brewery that I'd visited. I'd visited several prior to, to visiting Kiroizumi, but it was the first brewery that I visited that I was just, I felt like I was in a picture book <laughs> or like a, you know, it was my my absolute vision of what I, what I would always thought a sake brewery looked like. And of course, a lot of them are very modern, or at least the inside is. Not not that that not not that that's not great to visit too, and it's always interesting. Every brewery is very different, but lots of wood, and you know, we went at a time of day where the sunlight was streaming in through some of the the windows, and um, just a really sort of old school looking brewery, very photogenic. And of course, I kept lagging behind the rest of the group because I was too busy just taking photos of everything from old fans sitting on rice bags to you know the washing hanging out on the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just a really wonderful experience 
it's definitely a brewery that I'm a, a huge fan of for for several reasons, and um, and it's just a, a bonus that their sake is uh, is also really really delicious. And we often talk about this during the Zoom sessions that once once you get to know the face or the person behind the brew, or you visited the brewery, I feel like the experience of drinking that particular sake it, it changes, mm-hmm. um, it enhances. Mm-hmm. The experience and i think do you, do you find that do you, do you have like any sake in particular don't have to mention names as such that the where you maybe if, if you didn't like them as people so much you might not like the sake as much if you know what i mean so like the sake is you, you know it was it was the sake was okay but then maybe when you met the people or learned the story it became something a bit more you know and you go okay now i kind of like the sake before it was only maybe it was only a b minus but now it's kind of an a for me i might have tried some sake and, and it had been a bit meh yeah it's, it's okay um, it's nothing mind-blowing and then meeting somebody and hearing their story or visiting the brewery and and understanding a little bit more about what they were trying to achieve or uh, how that sake was brewed then that can enhance the experience because I, I I have the same thing I, I I do have a couple of there's a couple of um you know there are a couple of brewers where I, I like them more than I like their sake maybe mm. um or that they it, you know or they knowing them makes me like this you know their sake more even though if I did, had never met them or didn't know their story maybe it wouldn't jump out at to me as, as, as much. <laughs> All right, so now that we've revealed our sake, shall we do a kanpai? I think we should. Sure. <laughs> it's kanpai. Yes, <laughs> thank you for having me. Kanpai. Yes, kanpai, everyone. And I noticed uh, both Maki and I are drinking out of vessels made by the same craftsman. Do have a glass next to me as well, but I opted for a Gunomi, which is made from wooden resin and, of course, crafted by the wonderful Takahito Nakajima in Ishikawa. And Maki also has a beautiful cup by Nakajima-san. Mine's bamboo, bamboo and resin. And Julian has a, a lovely tulip-shaped sake glass. <laughs> which I, I just I just picked this up in a liquor store one day and I, and I loved it. I used to use it all the time. I just saw it at the counter and I went, oh, that, that looks good. I don't, yeah, I don't know why I always I go to glass more often. I just, I feel like I'm making a special occasion out of it sometimes when I pull the, the kimonos out. I just feel much more casual drinking out of a glass. We were going to chat a little bit tonight about how we drink sake. That's a very, very loose topic. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to, I thought it was interesting that, that you know, because people talk about, um, you know, pairing food with sake so often, you know, that's the thing is, they, they jump straight to food and pairings, but the kind of like the dirty little secret I think that so many people have, and we're kind of, I think what all three of us are doing right now is you know we've all eaten dinner. I'm assuming, I'm assuming, and we're just drinking sake now by itself. It's always pushed so often of like you know we're pairing it and pairing it, but at the end of the day, oh sorry, Maki does have something there. She's never like, <laughs> oh that's so Japanese, but you know so often I, I'm assuming a lot of other people do also just drink sake by itself you know at the end of the day in front of the tv kind of thing it's, it's not always a pairing is, is that just me I don't think it is just you I mean to be quite honest what at the time that we're recording this it's close to 10 p.m on a Tuesday night here in Melbourne probably wouldn't normally be drinking sake at 10 p.m at home by myself I I do love drinking sake with food. It is a very food-friendly beverage, as we know, and it's very hard to go wrong with a pairing. And, of course, everybody that knows me knows that I love cheese and sake. And, in fact, I was enjoying that pairing earlier this evening. But having said that, I I do really enjoy it on its own sometimes too. And one of my favourite times to do that is when I'm cooking. How about you, Maki? You... So I I work for a, a regular company, so I have a nine-to-five 
or rather nine to six thirty kind of a job, and I work from uh, from home all the time. So once I log off, that's my me time. I live alone too, so <laughs> me time starts at six thirty or seven. I start cooking. Uh, I might pour a glass, but really, when I enjoy it is when I start watching TV and I'm sitting on the couch that I'm sitting now, and then I might have nibbles like I do now, or I might just have a a big wine glass of sake that I can drink on its own yeah that's I mean that's kind of similar to me I, I mean I cook sometimes and sometimes my wife cooks but I'm always having a beer when I'm cooking and if I you know if it's if my wife's cooking I'm probably having a beer while she's cooking too, too. <laughs> um and what almost always happens is that beer overlaps into dinner time and so then while I'm having dinner I'll be finishing the beer and then after mm -hmm. that I'll put my daughter to bed and then it's once that quiet time comes that's when I'll usually crack out the sake and then I'm not eating any more I'm, I'm done so like when i'm at home nine times out of ten i'm not drinking sake with food maybe this is just my guilty consciences so then when i get my phone out and put on you know open up instagram or something and people always told me you've got to have it with food i'm like i'm never having it food the, the only time i have it with food is usually when i'm out when i go out yeah yeah do, do you think like um the price plays a factor so what i mean is because sake is obviously more expensive in, in australia and, and a lot of other countries outside of japan because here it's so by comparison ridiculously cheap and we, we take it for granted here do you think that like there's that feeling of when you're in australia if you drink if you're pop, popping open a bottle of sake it's like it costs good money you got to think about it a bit more about how you're going to you know drink it and what you're going to pair it with or who you're going to drink it with do you think that plays a role well yeah i mean there there is good argument that perhaps Sake is uh, is not expensive enough in Japan, but yeah, of course, once it leaves Japanese shores, uh, regardless of where it's being exported to, it's it's a little pricier than uh, than what you guys are paying in Japan. But of course, it's something that I will continue to to purchase because I love it and I want to support the breweries and I want to support the people that are bringing the sake into Australia. And do you think that that also do you think that also influences because that's kind of my image of when people eat out if you if you eat getting it. If you're eating out in Sydney or Melbourne and, you know, you're going to order sake, you're usually paying a, a pretty penny for this privilege. I wonder if that influences people more to, like, really be conscious about what they're going to have it with and as opposed to drinking, you know, here in Japan or going to somewhere here in Osaka where, you you know, you're paying just a couple of dollars for a glass of sake. And so you, you can buy sake, you know, with the small change, you know, in your pocket kind of thing. You don't have to, you don't feel that pressure, or at least I don't. You like, you know, this is a special thing that I've got to, like... No, I I think that can apply to many things, Julian. I mean, I, I think people can be reluctant to part with their money for anything that they're unsure about, uh, haven't tried before or uh, don't don't know much about. And I think in the case of sake, education is key. So if we can help to educate people about the world of sake and just how uh, how delicious it is and how versatile it is, knowledge is power and 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 can perhaps contribute to a, a better experience when one is out at a restaurant and, and hopefully people are more inclined to be a bit more adventurous and and perhaps order a, a sake off a menu you know for, for me personally if I'm dining out and uh, I, I see sake on a menu re regardless of price. I'll probably still order a couple of glasses because I know the sake and I know that I'm really going to love it. And it's all about the experience, being where I am, enjoying the food, enjoying the company, enjoying the sake, you know, I suppose being true to myself and what I'm trying, what I'm trying to do in, in promoting sake and, and getting people to drink it. So for example, I was out with, with a, a friend of mine who happened to own 
a restaurant that serves sake but we're at a different venue at a new venue just recently and there was sake on the menu and I knew the sake I knew I was going to love it as did she and so we ordered it they brought the bottle to the table and they poured us two glasses and then the couple next to us said we'll have what they're having so like, based on you doing like the full when Harry met Sally reaction was that was <laughs> Inspiring exactly. Them to drink exactly. It. I was, I was <laughs> having a having a, a, a sake orgasm at the table. <laughs> so, awesome. That'll do it. Doing a, doing my best, Meg Ryan. Um, and I guess only a certain demographic will understand that joke that we just had, Julian. So let's hope they don't think I'm a complete weirdo because of what I just said. <laughs> oh, that, that was that was one for all the over thirty fives out there. <laughs> So I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by the way that that sake is approached and 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 consumed in in other places, whether it be everything from glassware and pairing and and situations and and, and all that kind of thing. Mm. All right, guys, I think it's time for me to pour myself a cup of this other sake I have here, which is from Miyako Bijin, who were the feature brewery for session number forty one of TWTT Rafale. I have not had this sake prior to this particular bottle. Okay. It's not a nama, which is um, very unusual for my order from from black market sake. Uh, it's a Junmai Yamahai Genshu, and it's it, it's actually a very very interesting sake. It's funny we were talking about how we drink sake and whether we drink with or without food. And uh, for me, this this sake is probably something that makes me want to have something to eat, if that makes sense. Mm. It's it's going down a, a treat. But uh, yeah, when I first opened it, I it for me it was like let's eat something right now and of course the closest thing to me was cheese and it went perfectly with a with a truffled manchego um the pairing was very much enjoyed nice. yeah yeah okay. um I, i've just poured a second one as well uh and again this is this is a brew that was simone you'll be able to tell us which which session it was and i think mike you were doing the interpreting for it from uh heiwa shuzo um in tokyo and they're, they're doboroku bar so this is one of their several different you know versions i think if you go, i haven't been to the the venue but i know they offer several different types of doboroku and they've been bottling them sporadically or um, actually i shouldn't say sporadically i'm sure they have a, a system to it it just feels sporadic to me as i spot them around but uh so i've i've been spotting different types of because I, I i did try the the prototype when they released that and then there was a there was a second prototype and now they're kind of releasing these different varieties and when i was in the shop the other day there was uh this one which is I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember what the because the, there's actually no information on the on the label about what makes this one what it is. But there was this one, and then with, the other one was made with uh, white koji, and then there was another one that was made with hops. And this one to me was the most. The hops one was actually quite interesting. I, I did try it, and it was it it tasted had it had that kind of you know that beery kind of taste that you might expect. But this one for me was the more uh, standard kind of doburoku kind of taste. And I'm I'm a big fan of Doboroku and, and Nigorizaki in general. I, I enjoy trying to try in these these new releases they keep putting out. It's kind of fun. It's a good system that they've got, you know, because they can produce on that kind of smaller scale. And and um... I was lucky enough to visit the the venue actually last year. Yeah. In fact, on my last my last day, well, the day that I was flying out. I thought, what am I going to do with? Because it was a, an evening flight. For me, all systems go when I'm in Japan. Um, <laughs> thinking what am I going to do on my last day instead of just perhaps packing and resting before getting on a plane but uh, managed to seek seek out that uh, that shop and sit there and have a beer and, and a few doboroku and it was very enjoyable and to answer uh, your your uh, 
session number. It was session number 36, Heiwa Shuzo, back in 2021. And it was a great session. And yes, Maki was the interpreter slash co-host for that session. And uh, we got to see inside the sake brewery as well as the the beer brewery. They're making some some wonderful um, beer and sake at Heiwa Shuzo. Actually, I, I should probably clarify because I'm sure there's someone who's like uh, shouting at, the, at their speakers right now just after I said what I just said. I believe even though I said this from the Kabutocho Brewery, actually, I think the bottled Dobudoku is actually made at Hewashuzu and Wakayama. So the stuff that they make in at, at Kabutocho is not the same as the Dobudoku that they bottle. It may be the same recipe, but what the stuff that they make for for actually, you know, yeah, for, they do uh, they do have they, they do have like a, a a pot that they bring out. Um, right. With a ladle. So I don't it. think it's. But yeah, I would imagine they they don't actually have a bottling system uh, set up there. So I guess the bottled stuff that you're seeing is actually made at Hewa Shoes or not made at, mm. at the brew house or the what do you call it, the tap house, the tap room in Kabutocho. So if someone is there going, no, no, that's not made in, in Tokyo. Okay, I got it. It's probably made in Wakayama. <laughs> it's really nice. This is really sweet. Like I mean, sweet as in it is. You know, on the palate, is, it has sweetness to it. But it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a cute, it's a cute sake. It's not, it's a, it's not a, like a overly chunky doku, but it's, it's it's really tasty mm. when i did open this the other day i had it with chocolate doku and chocolate for if i was to do some pairing um doku and chocolate is, is a really cool thing i think milk dark so, or wine probably technically uh i don't maybe because I, I know like dark chocolate is the is the is the thing that grown-ups do i don't i just don't eat dark chocolate i, I eat uh just regular milk chocolate yeah or, or white chocolate i haven't tried it with white chocolate but i was just eating with um some some regular old uh milk chocolate and it, it goes double up it goes really well with chocolate about my second oh nice so I have from yucho maker uh, uh makers of kaze no mori it's it's from the Boraimoto project in the in Nara prefecture. And Nihon Shudo is minus thirty-four. Sando is three point five. Amino amino acid uh, is two point four. So it's a very complex sake. I'm not sure if I drinking it right because <laughs> I chilled it and it's not not what I expected. Have no, you had it? I haven't had that for literally for years, for a really long time. But I'm curious hearing that 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 Nihon Shudo. And, you know, so many of us uh, have been, you know, trained and that the, you know, the, the sake meter value or that the Nihon Shido is, is something that you don't really consider too much unless it's in its extreme figures of like, you know, way below zero or way above 10 kind of thing. Then you kind of really notice dryness or sweetness. So I'm going to ask the question that you're not really supposed to ask when it comes to the Nihon Shido, but at minus 34, does it taste like a minus 34? Does it taste as sweet as you would expect from seeing it at minus 34? So I, I hesitated. Being that sweet. <laughs> so I bought this at the uh, at the temple. They were selling mm-hmm. all the um, Bodaimoto Project sake, and I chose that because they told me that that was the most popular. Probably because it comes from Yucho's Shizo. But um, when I saw that Nihon Shido, I was like, Ah, no, <laughs> not buying that. But then again, I thought, Well, when would I try something like this? So this is the first time I'm tasting it. It does not feel like minus 35 and it usually is like that because there's um acidity to balance it out a little bit so it's not there's no clawing sweetness to it Mm -hmm. i was gonna i was gonna even though i know that uh i'm 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 supposedly the guest and you may be you know asking me things but i'm enjoying like asking you guys things and um just kind of going back to talking about how different different approaches to, to, to drinking sake and, and how you drink it, what you drink it with, whether it's food types and, and um, uh, you know, vessels and whatnot. And I'm going to put you both on the spot with a question of what's a, a, one of the weirder 
or more unusual um, opinions that you've heard about sake and how it should be consumed? You, I'm not asking you to mention who it is, but by someone who has a, a weighted and, and valued opinion. So whether it be a brewer or a, a, you know someone who's in the industry, what's an interesting opinion that you were like, well, that's kind of out of left field? I'll go first. Um, okay. So it, it doesn't feel weird anymore because I've mm -hmm. been drinking sake in different forms for a few years now. But at the time, I think it was probably five or six years ago, I went to a tasting event and I had a glass of sake with ice and uh, soda water. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that was blasphemy to <laughs> sake, <laughs> that you could dilute sake with ice or water. Mm. But 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 it was a hot day and it worked. So I was convinced by the proposition, but when I when I was presented with it, I didn't think it was a good idea. So that was their suggestion. They said they just put this out and said this is how you should try it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Not the not the craziest, you know, if you think mm. about it. So yes, it's kind of similar to mine. I was in a in a bar in, in Tokyo, a, 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 a sake, a very much a sake specific, heavy heavy sake note, but the uh, he the that particular bar has a very wide range of sake, lots of, um, you know, Moroko Namagenshu and, and, and whatnot. And, and uh, I ordered one of the, I ordered a Genshu, which is like an 18% or 19% Genshu. And the proprietor of that bar is, is, is an interesting cat. He's a, he's a, he's a bit of a, a funny fella. Nice guy, but um, he, he does seem to be a bit forthcoming with his opinions. And he just, uh, he, when I ordered, he said, oh, do you want it with ice? And I said, no. I said, no, I'll just have it as, as is. That's fine. And then he just casually said in front of like the three or four other customers, um, he said, yeah, basically, I f he, this is what he said. He said, yeah, I kind of find it interesting. People that, um, that you know, that don't drink 18, 19% Genshu with ice that drink, drink it straight, they're usually kind of alcoholics. And I was just kind of lost for words. And I was like, I, I'm, I don't know, maybe if it's, it's one of those, if the shoe fits kind of situations, but I was like, okay. I don't know if that was also if you know that was like a heavy hint that I really should order ice with my sake to prove that I'm not a an alcoholic or if I should just put the badge on and wear it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll still go without the ice then. Thank you. But it was a strong opinion I thought to put across in a in a bar. But it did kind of catch me off guard. It was interesting. He was like, yeah, he was just very adamant that you know, you know when you get to Genshu that strong, you, you shouldn't be drinking it straight. That's that's you've got a problem if you're drinking it like that. I was like, okay. Well, maybe that. Maybe that's a good segue into the only thing I can think to add to this. When you talked about ice, it made me think of Icebreaker by Tamagawa. Mm -hmm. and I think that was actually the first time I'd ever drank sake over ice because it was recommended that you add ice to the Icebreaker sake. But what really did shock me, I guess, was when I did a TWTT session with Philip Harper himself and he suggested cranking that little baby up to 60, 70, maybe even higher. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, look, the idea of, of hot sake doesn't surprise me at all when brewers suggest it, but when he was mentioning, you know, 70, 80 degrees Celsius, that certainly did surprise me. And what surprised mm. me even more was how much I enjoyed it because I, I, I have my moments with hot sake you know, I kind of have to be in the mood. It has to be the right sake. It depends where I am, what time of year it is. And there are some sake I don't particularly like served warm that maybe even are recommended to be to be served that way. But yeah, it did it did kind of 
shock me that a, a brewer would suggest heating their sake up to that degree. <laughs> and, yeah. and and of course, how much I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Tamagawa. Yeah, that's that's probably all I have to add to <laughs> to that story. So it was a, it was a pleasant surprise. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's something that I, I do enjoy now when I'm drinking Tamagawa. I'll, you know, get my sake warmer out and just push push the boundaries. <laughs> No, I'm just, yeah, it's one of those things I'm curious. I, I, I like hearing different, you know, different approaches and different stories. You know, it's particularly like, you know, again, depending on, you know, where you are and where you, you drink, you know, if you, if you go to like sake bars around here, it's very often there's there's some opinion opinionated people around. And so it's, I kind of, you know, it's fascinating sometimes to sit there and just keep your mouth shut and listen to the things that people say. It can be, yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure how fascinating anything was that we had to say this evening but on that note i'm looking at time we might wrap up at least the recorded part of this session it's been a lot of fun chatting with the both of you tonight and uh, i look forward to doing it again soon we never promised any sort of structure at the start of this episode and we certainly haven't given you that but we hope we've entertained you um to some degree Julian, I know you said you were the guest, but you may or may not know, but you'll be you'll be chatting with us on a regular basis. So <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of you, you become part of the the family now. So uh perhaps next time we might we might try and coordinate having the same sake or sake from the same brewery. Uh and we will pick a, a topic to to start with, but we we will never guarantee that we will stick to a particular topic when we when we have one. But uh, if, if any of you listening have uh, any topics that you might like to hear us ramble on about or at least start to, to ramble on about, uh, again, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Maki, Julian, thank you for, uh, for your time tonight. Thank you. It's been excellent. It's so much fun. Thank you. Always fun talking about sake with you guys and even more so drinking sake with you guys. So thank you again and thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be kind and keep enjoying sake. Sorry.